everyone, and welcome to the Dear Future Hubby Podcast. Thank you, thank you very much. I am your host, Teresa Reese, and I am going to be reading from my book of poetry entitled A Strong Will Mind, Healing Scars Over Time Through My Poetry. Your applause is very appreciated. Very much appreciated. Okay, so here we go. The name of this poem is entitled Nobody Understands. All right. It's so easy for you to judge me by focusing on negativity. I'm pondering on the possibilities of no one ever truly understanding me. For you to be on the outside, critically looking in, telling me all of the things that I should do differently. You don't offer me a helping hand, but you're always giving me your judgmental opinions. You are not available whenever I need you, but you always want me to listen to you. What is that about? And I'm the one you're talking about behind my back, of course. Too cowardly to say it to my face. But when you see me, you don't mind being fake. As if your condescending attitude towards me will make my respect for you even. Not as I erase this imprint from my mind and reflect on your past conversations. No one understands how I am starting to resent you. Not because of what you said to me. No, it's because of the things you do. Instead of praying for me, I indirectly became your prey. You murdered me with your tongue. So I hope that you have had the most amazing evening, morning, afternoon, whenever it is that you hear this episode. And this may need to go without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway. A lot of times when I am reading my poems, they might not have anything to do with the subject matter. I just like reading my poems. So... Just, you know, there's moments that you may think that it's going to tie in and it doesn't. And then there's times that you may think that it's going to tie in and it does. Every day is a different day. So just thought I'd make that announcement. But today what I wanted to do was read a passage in the Bible because I wanted to talk about debt. Yeah, you heard me. I want to talk about debt. D-E-V-T. And for those of you who are unaware of what that means in the Bible, let me go ahead and provide you with that definition, which is something I haven't done in a while. All right. So the definition of debt, be like David, be like Eddie, be like boy, be like Tom, is something typically money that is owed or due. 
the state of owing money, a feeling of gratitude for a service or favor. So, I want to talk about debt on today. Let me read the passage that I have been studying. It's in the book of 2 Kings, and it is chapter 4. And I'm going to read verse 1 through 7. Here we go. One day, the wife of a man from the guild of prophets called out to Elisha. Your servant, my husband, is dead. You well know what a good man he was, devoted to God. And now the man to whom he was in debt is on his way to collect my two children as slaves. Elisha said, I wonder how I can be of help. Tell me, what do you have in your house? Nothing, she said. Well, I do have a little oil. Here's what you do, said Elisha. Go up and down the street and borrow jugs and bowls from all your neighbors, and not just a few, all you can get. Then come home and lock the door behind you, you and your sons. Pour oil into each corner. I'm sorry. Pour oil into each container. When each is full, set it aside. She did what he said. She locked the door behind her and her sons. As they brought the containers to her, she filled them. When all the jugs and bowls were full, she said to one of her sons, Another jug, please. He said, That's it. There are no more jugs. Then the oil stopped. She went and told the story to the man of God. He said, Go sell the oil and make good on your debts live both you and your sons on what's left so i wanted to talk about that but before i go into depth i wanted to read my journal insert after i had actually read that passage i'm going to share it with you so for those of you who don't know on here we are raw which stands for real and wise and although I don't always necessarily use wisdom um, that is something that I aspire to do is use wisdom <laughs> which is the reason why I want to talk about debt because one of my heart's desires is to be debt free one day so here we go my note was that when the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he told her, there is not a vessel more. The observation I had made was that she relied on her son's report. He told her that there were no more vessels. So she took his report and conveyed that to the prophet Elisha. However, what if she would have asked him a follow-up question, such as, are you sure? Or, were there any neighbors whose doors you knocked on who weren't home at the time? Or, do we need to go back and see if they are home now? 
have we checked our own house, cabinets, our rooms, the drawers? Because based off of her son's report, there were no more vessels. The instructions that the man of God had said to the prophet's widow was to sell the oil, pay the debt off, and live off of the rest. My question, which I'm going to pose to you, is in your time of crisis, financial crisis to be exact, who do you call? Y'all remember that? Y'all remember that movie? Maybe you heard it when they say, who do you call? Ghostbusters! Okay, anyway, so... I digress but <laughs> so if you've listened to my episodes or at least the most recent episodes recently I talked about how my youngest son was in a crisis when he ran across a shady mechanic and or I'm gonna say shady mechanics I'm gonna make it plural because it was more than one and how I literally had to borrow in order to be able to ensure that he could get his vehicle off of that car lot ASAP, as soon as possible. And so I pose this question, in your time of crisis, financial crisis to be exact, who do you call? Because a lot of times we, if we're being honest, our first response is to say, we don't have anyone to call. I don't know anyone. I can't think of anyone. That's normally our first response. And so what I noticed is that the widow, the prophet's widow, she called upon the man of God, prophet Elisha. And I believe that she was hoping that he would deliver her from her financial crisis. And if not do it himself, give her the tools, the instruction, and the direction of how to get it done. Notice how the prophet Elisha instructed her to borrow vessels from her neighbors. The whole time she'd been living next to these people, she had never put the two together. I have oil, they have vessels. Maybe I could just pour my oil into their vessels. That never crossed her mind. But the moment that she crossed paths with Prophet Elisha, he gave her instructions based off of the tools that she had in her home, which was oil. Isn't that something how he told her? borrow the vessels from her neighbors. Her husband, on the other hand, prior to his dying, had taken out a loan and used his sons as collateral. So you have two different types of loans going on. The man of God instructed the prophet's widow to borrow vessels from her neighbors so this tells me that even when you are borrowing, that there is a way for you to do it decent and in order. So you had two different situations where borrowing took place. 
one collateral was implemented. The second one, trust was implemented because she borrowed from her neighbors. To me, collateral represents distrust. Borrowing represents trust. That's just my personal opinion. So, one way of borrowing creates doubt, such as, just in case I cannot pay you for your debt, allow me to put down my two sons as collateral. And this is exactly how the Prophet Widow's deceased husband's mindset was, in my opinion. That's how he handled his borrowing or his loan. Then you have the prophet Elisha, his mindset, where he said, sell the oil, pay off the debt, live off the rest. So this tells me that the widow knew that a part of paying the debt off included reimbursing her neighbors for the borrowed vessels. How so? I'm glad you asked. So, according to how I interpreted this. Remember, I am not a Bible scholar, nor am I a theologian, nor have I ever gone to theology school or theologian, however they say it. I'm going to say theology school um, or Bible school. I've never been there. <laughs> I just love reading the Bible. So, bottom line, I believe how we handle our debts and the way we handle our debtors is extremely important. Not just our debtors, how we handle the people that have provided us the loan is also important. So imagine with me, if you will, I have drawn the conclusion that a part of the profit widow paying off her debts included reimbursing her neighbors for their borrowed vessels because the Bible said borrow. And according to the Oxford Languages Dictionary, to borrow means to take and use something that belongs to someone else with the intention of returning it. So if you have listened to my episodes, when I talked about borrowing, um, I made sure that when I borrowed for my son to get his car off of that lot, I made sure that I provided a dead line. There was no collateral that was provided. There was no collateral given. I literally just said, I will pay you back on this day. And then I did exactly what I said. So that debt is already paid in full. Thank you, God. (coughs) To those who wanted me to pay them back. So, um, This is what I believe. If the prophet's widow sold the vessels that she had borrowed from her neighbors, there would be no way for her to return them back to her neighbors. The only way that that could happen is if after she sold them to whomever, She waited for them to use all the oil up 
turn back around and ask them, could they please give them back the vessels? Chances are, this is me just thinking out loud, her sons as well as she would have to know who they borrowed, what they borrowed, how they borrowed from. That's a lot to keep up with. So I am under the impression that when she borrowed the vessels, part of the plan that Prophet Elisha incorporated was the price of those vessels, knowing that once she sold that oil, she would need to pay the neighbors back for the cost of the vessels because she would not be able to give them those vessels back. <coughs> Excuse me. So a part of borrowing, I believe, was ensuring that they would be compensated for that borrow. So, in my opinion, there would be no way to return those borrowed vessels. You can agree, you can disagree, apply and deny it's just something that I've observed that I'm thinking out loud about so in order for her and her sons to live on the rest I believe they would need to make peace with their neighbors or else face the consequences of their neighbors coming back to them eventually and requesting that they return those vessels with interest which would have potentially placed them in a much worse position than before. Now, considering the fact that Prophet Elisha gave her the instructions and he was a man of God, I believe a part of her paying off her debts included reimbursing her neighbors for those borrowed vessels. Not only were her sons freed by her selling the oil from their deceased father's debt agreement, that's what I believe, but they were also freed from any future debt agreements because he told them to live off the rest. I wholeheartedly believe this. Now, you could see this passage differently and that's quite all right. However, I think it is also important to note that according to Romans 13, 8 through 10 in the Message Bible, it says, don't run up debts except for the huge debt of love you owe each other. When you love others, you complete what the law has been after all along. The law code. Don't sleep with another person's spouse. Don't take someone's life. Don't take what isn't yours. Don't always be wanting what you don't have and any other don't you can think of finally adds up to this. Love other people as well as you do yourself. You can't go wrong when you love others. When you add up everything in the law code, the sum total is love. And that, again, was Romans 13, 8-10, and that was in the Message Bible. This being said, I believe that the prophet's widow had a mother's love. And this is what helped her to seek the man of God for help. 
And I believe that she was able to live debt free after following the man of God's instructions verbatim. She did what she was told to do, how she was told to do it. Truth be told, it's possible that this could be one of the first glimpses we see of budgeting in the Bible. But how can we apply this in real time? How can we apply these principles in real life? What do we have inside of our home or inside of our storage units or inside of our safe boxes or inside of our vehicles, inside of our trunks, the list goes on. What could we sell and then use those funds to pay off our debts with? How much do we need to borrow from our neighbors so that we can build that new business? So that we can be debt free? So that we can write that new book? So that we can own that piece of land? So that we can buy that new house? So that we can pay our cars off? I believe this Bible passage is a great guide. And so one of the things I thought about when I read this passage, which actually, and if y'all are hearing a lot, I do apologize, but let me tell y'all what I did before I tell you about the reason why I decided to share this. So recently, um, I've been working on trying to, like my son said, up the ante. So I've tried to invest in a microphone, well, a couple of them. Um, and a sounding board, all the good stuff. So, also headphones. Y'all, I broke the one. So if you hear any type of scratching, squiggling, whatever you hear, that's because I literally broke the headphone before I I started recording. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like, I don't even know anymore. Anyway, so (laughs) that's just a side note. Just had to share that. Um, That's another transparent moment so yeah, even when you're trying your best to do better, yeah, it's just a part of life. So that's what you're hearing. Uh, yeah, I'll figure that out later, but I just, I didn't want to not record. So when I was reading the passage, one of the things that I recognized about myself, they say that the Bible is a good sword. One of the things that I recognize is that I could apply this now in real time for my life. And this is an extremely transparent moment, but I own three storage units. And I remember when I started off with one, I promise you the intent was never to have three. But as life would have it, I do. (laughs) So when I take the time out and I really, truly take a moment to count up the cost, so to speak, which is something we're advised and encouraged to do if we are Bible readers. When I take time to do that, I start to realize that if I would have sold everything that I placed in storage at the time that I was trying to place everything into storage, I would probably have a down payment on a home or a brand new car. And then some. I could probably even put one of my kids through college if I could 
think about all three of the storage units and how much I've been paying each month for those storage units. So that would be considered a bad investment. If you really start taking time out of account of your costs. So that leads me to do a couple of things. One of the things that I could do is just sell it, everything in it. Another thing I could do is just let it all go. Another thing that I could do is be very strategic and have a huge garage sale and whatever it is that I make off of that, that in my savings account. Another thing that I could do is gift it away. But nevertheless, eliminating the debt should be my ultimate goal. And the sooner that I'm able to do that, the better off I will be. Because that's putting finances back into my hands. So a lot of times we have a tendency, some of us, I'm not speaking for everyone, but if you can relate, you can just nod your head. I won't see it, so it really don't matter. <laughs> but anyhow, we have a tendency to say we're broke. That's not for a lot of us. It may be for some of us, but it's not for a lot of us. We ought to be really saying, we have poor money management skills, and it doesn't matter on which scale. You may be someone that only has a little, a little percentage of poor management skills, or you may have be someone that has a terrible ability to manage money. Whichever side of the spectrum you fall on, that's your business. However, what I have come to recognize is that. I don't have to be in debt. I can literally change the trajectory of how I handle money, my relationship with money, how I view money, all of the above. And one of the ways that I can do that is holding myself accountable for how I manage what I'm stewarding in this season of my life. Because if I'm quite honest with you, knowing that I had to take a moment to go and borrow in order for me to get my son out of a situation, that did something to me. I'm grateful that I was able to repay the debt for my son. But at the same time, I understand that I want to be a lender and not a borrower. I want to be the person that people are coming to, to 